0: SPN, 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up.
1: Ooh, what up, Hey, how we doing? Blank is back. Hi, I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. It is a Friday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Do you want to address some of these rumors, Blinkers, as to why you were uh, not here? Uh, you were auditioning for a play, I think was one of them. Or uh, some of the other better ones, Joe.
2: That I hated Jeremy Branham. That one was, actually never came up. Because that was supposed to be wrong answers only.
1: Yeah, but that one never came up because that one's too wrong. It's too unbelievable.
2: I have to tell you, Typhoon, by the way, Texas? that your What Up Houston yesterday was good. You liked it? It was, it was probably the best one I had heard. I thought it was poor. Thank you. <laughs> I thought it was No, it wasn't paw. you, Joe. It was Jeremy. I didn't do I, it. Well, I heard Jeremy. No, I did it. I heard it the day Jeremy did. I thought it was good. No, Jeremy didn't I, do I, it all I, I, Oh, I, the then last... Joe, you get full credit. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Joe, it was That's pretty classic. good. It was pretty good.
1: I did it uh, like two weeks ago. So you weren't? auditioning to be a lifeguard, or training to be a lifeguard at Typhoon, Texas? You weren't at a mandatory HOA? Nope. Neighborhood I God heard Walker. mandatory HOA. No, nope. I've never heard of a mandatory HOA.
2: Me meeting, either. By the way. <laughs> I think most HOAs would like you to stay away. They would not like you to be at the meeting to cause trouble. Exactly.
1: Yeah, especially especially blankers. I don't think they would want you to be at the HOA I've made, meeting. Yeah, not,
2: you're not wrong. But how about stalker guy that finds me in Home Depot? Oh, that's right. Well, just say hello instead of being... Weird and creepy and texting the show that I'm at Home Depot.
1: So he didn't say hello to you? No. I, we were wondering that. We were wondering if, like, he, he saw you and, like, a, hey, what's going on? Yeah, no. Or if he just ignored you and, like, saw you from afar.
2: Yeah. How about not being creepy guy trying to get a picture in aisle six and just saying, hey, man, <laughs> I, I, I I listen to the show. Great. That's awesome. Nice to meet you. Instead, I got to hear from Joe that some dude's texting the show that I'm at Home Depot. Yeah, I am. Do you, maybe he was scared of you possible. Maybe he was a little maybe he was a little, a little I intimidated. Was, I was on a rampage the last couple of days. It is possible. Well, it's
1: good to have you back. Good to um, be back. You come back on a day where the Astros offense didn't do a whole lot. <sighs> They've been winning a bunch and then you come back and we got to talk about a 5-1 loss at the hands of the uh the Seattle Mariners. Renel Blanco will get to uh yeah. Sometimes you just get beat by the other pitcher. I didn't think there was a whole lot to talk about from yesterday's game. Kirby's really, really good. He's flirting with an ERA of three on the year. I think the Astros just got beat yesterday. I don't
2: really think there's a whole lot more than that. See, this is what, and I was listening to a lot of people, both TV and radio, and I was just shocked that everybody was just pointing fingers and, and, and going all at the Astros. You got beat by a good pitcher. Sometimes that happens. I mean, this guy has shown the Astros over the course of, since he joined the major leagues and joined the Mariners, He's capable of handling the Astros lineup. And he handled the Astros lineup last night. On the flip side, you didn't have one of your best pitchers going, and we know that Blanco's hit or miss. And when he's hit, he's hit for home runs. And the early home runs got him. And it was you know, they just they were playing catch up all night and they just didn't hit the ball.
1: Yeah, Blanco's interesting because he has good stuff, but he has yeah. bad command. That's why he only gives up what did he give it, three hits yesterday's game? Give up three hits in yesterday's game. Two were home runs. Two of them were home runs because yeah. sometimes lack of command isn't the walks. Like yesterday, he only had two walks, but he gave up a walk before home runs. I was going
2: to say, the walk killed him because he set, set the table for the ding-dong. Ding
1: and I think the first home run, he fell behind the count, like 3-0, 3-1, and then he's trying to play catch-up, throws a pitch right in the middle of the zone. See you later. So, like, Blanco's weird because his stuff is oftentimes very difficult to hit. You get three hits over a pitcher over six innings, that dude is difficult to hit. But his problem is the command, and it's not always command out of the zone. We talk about this a lot. Sometimes it's command into the zone, and when you're facing big league hitters and you you know, throw a fastball, middle-middle, even a good fastball, middle-middle, good hitters are going to abuse it, and and that's what happened yesterday. So it's like I, I get six innings, three runs from a Blanco. Like, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. okay. Struck out nine. Like, that's okay, especially for a guy that you project to be your sixth starter. I thought Blanco was fine yesterday. Are the walks in front of home runs frustrating? Yes. Are throwing pitches middle middle so a hitter can hit out of the park frustrating? Yes. I, this is basically who Renel Blanco is, though. Like I think what we saw yesterday from Blanco
2: is who Renel Blanco is as a big leaguer. Well, can we talk about this too? Because you and I talk about it a lot. It's not just sequencing of pitches; it's frequency. Yeah. And and, and when we talk about Blanco's stuff, everybody wants to talk about. He's got a plus plus fastball. He's got a better than average fastball. He's got some pop on it, right? The biggest thing to me is he uses his changeup 7% of the time. And that changeup is a very effective pitch for him. And you don't have to have the same kind of control you're talking about. If it looks like it's in the zone and then it falls out of the zone, it's even better. In the Dodger game, once he got off fastball heavy in the first inning, he settled in and used his changeup effectively to where he controlled the Dodgers lineup. How much did you say it was? What percentage? 7%. I think Blummer was said last overall? night. Was that
1: overall? Okay. Uh, yeah. Because yesterday they, they said uh, that he was trying to make uh, an effort to throw it more often. And I like it too. Like it's a pretty good pitch. It's a
2: it's a, it's a dom. It can, I, I dare say dominant, but it's a very effective pitch. With his fastball, it's a pretty good combination. Yes.
1: Like you get that fastball changeup combo, and then he's got his little slide piece that he throws. Like he can he has good stuff. I mean, you don't strike out nine big leaguers in six innings without good stuff. Exactly. If you give up three hits in six innings, you have good stuff.
2: It's like Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown with just a fastball is one thing. Hunter Brown with that fastball slider combination and another pitch is a different story. And this is what I'm talking about when we get to Blanco. It's the same thing. If you can change speeds just a little, but change direction and I and the eye level of a hitter and go fastball change up, you can be effective. Look at Mariano Rivera. I mean, throw just different speeds. Yeah. And you can be effective.
1: Yeah, I thought Blanco was was fine. I thought that he was fine. Like, for him to be... And I don't know if we should be expecting this for a, like a rookie in his late 20s. Like We shouldn't have huge expectations for Renel Blanco. But if he can kind of master that change, and he threw it more often yesterday. And they mentioned that in the postgame, too. He's like, yeah, I had a lot of success with it uh, in the past. In my past couple of starts, I need to use it more frequently. And we always talk, too, about how starters need to have more than two pitches. I think that's part, a small part of what's going wrong with Christian Javier right now is that his fastball is not great. And because he only has one other pitch... He's easy to hit right now. You start throwing more pitches, you have more, you know, weapons to attack these hitters, and uh, Renell Blanco's showing that change. He, his stuff is good. Stuff is good. The command can can kind of, you know, it can be bad at times. It can be sporadic. He has a couple of hitters where, you know, he throws three fastballs up and out of the zone. You're in a 3-0 count, trying to come back, see you later, ding-dong, or he walks a guy in front of a home run. That's where Blanco's going to have to take that next step. But if Renell Blanco is giving up three runs over six innings for what I project to be my sixth starter – I'm taking that every time, to be completely honest with
2: you. And, and it essentially is, it's, you're doing your job. If you're doing a quality start, or, or, or at least always teetering on a quality start. Especially from a six starter. No question. Then you've done enough. You've done your job. It's just up to everybody else to do what they're supposed to do. And unfortunately, because as well as this kind of lineup has been makeshifting good things, there's more of a reliance and more of an expectance that the guys have to keep doing it every game. That's yep. not what major league baseball is.
1: No. Like if Fromber gives up three runs over six innings every time, you're not going to accept that. Right. But one of your guys, you're six starter and he gives up three runs over six innings. You're, you're going to take that. In fact, he lowered his ERA with that performance yesterday. I saw some Astro fans and look, let's be honest. People complain a lot. Uh, a lot of people were upset that Rafael Montero pitched the ninth inning. Three-run game. Uh, Dusty runs him back out there for the ninth inning. I personally had no issue with it. Rafael Montero's the most expensive mop-up pitcher in all of Major League Baseball. I thought it was a smart move by Dusty Baker using Montero for the ninth inning and trying to save
2: your bullpen. That way they're fresh and loaded for these next three games. Yeah, no, I, I think it was the right move too. And again, he- he's not as bad as he was, but he's not as good as he has been. So you just have to keep throwing him out there. And whether it's him working on things, look, for all intents and purposes, that game was over going into the ninth inning. Yeah. So why waste any other pitching? Just let him keep doing what he was doing and see where it takes you or what you might see or what he might be able to figure out.
1: Yeah, he's a mop-up pitcher at this point. Like That was the perfect spot to have. I don't care that he pitched the ninth I don't either. inning. Like that. I feel like people were grasping at straws when it comes to that. Offensively, Didn't really get much going. Ofer from Dubon, Ofer from Abreu, Ofer from Chaz. We'll get a little bit more into what Chaz was doing last night in a little bit. Uh, The only guys who had multi-hit games, Yiner Diaz, who continues to produce. He continues to produce for the Astros. You missed it. uh, You weren't on the show yesterday coming off the double dong performance by Yiner Diaz. And then Corey Jolks is scarlet hot. Like Corey Jolks. Is on fire. <laughs> it's amazing. Like he's blooping little soft say, line drives if you look at over the box score. He
2: is yeah. lasering balls. Exit but,
1: hits, as Dusty would say. Yeah. Sometimes
2: when you're just on fire and things Sheesh. are going your way, I mean, seeing eye singles happen and you capitalize.
1: It's interesting though, like what Jolks is doing. Like, does that come into play at all with how you handle the trade deadline? Like, are you because. Before this point, we were not counting on Corey right. jokes to be like an everyday starter. Whenever Dana Brown's talking about adding a bat and he has a surplus of like, you know, above average outfielders and he might be looking to trade one of those guys for a position of need or a left-handed bat. We also like kind of like we had a small percentage that maybe Michael Brantley comes back. I think that small percentage has diminished, yeah. maybe closer to
2: zero than like it might one. be your ultimate analogy a week ago or so when you said, "Would you take him just as an everyday yeah, pinch hitter?" I would take it right now. I think that's what you're going to have to be faced with. But has Corey Jokes
1: entered the chat room when it comes to a guy that you're penciling in as a starter post trade deadline?
2: I think that. He's entered the equation, right? The conversation. I don't know that he's the end-all, be-all where you just stop looking for for more reinforcements because it's one thing to say he's picking up major league pitching on a daily basis and he's getting better and he's improving, but it all gets ramped up in the playoffs and especially if you don't have any playoff experience and this is your first true year in the big leagues, it's a lot to expect of anybody to put it on their shoulders and say, we expect you to do what you were doing in the regular season, maybe more. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a difficult proposition. I think it's a good problem to have that you have more guys that you feel more confident or Dusty feels more confident in when we start talking about that kind of rotation of guys and, and those kind of things. But when it gets down to when you're trying to win a World Series, is Corey Jolks the guy that you believe is going to be up there at the plate and in the outfield and running the bases that's going to do what you need to do?
1: Yeah, I love Corey. Obviously, go yeah. Cougs. I've seen him play a lot of baseball, uh, being the voice of the Houston Cougars where he went to school, of course, and did great things there. I don't know if I'm counting on Corey Jolks to be in my everyday guy, specifically against like right-handed pitching, I think that Corey Jolks has forced the Astros' hand that he is suitable to start against lefties in left field every single game. But if you're talking about adding offensive prowess, you're looking to add some thump, to this offense that's been about average uh, relative to all of Major League Baseball. If we're assuming that Jordan Alvarez comes back and he's like your left field, your DH, if we're assuming that Chaz McCormick is the everyday center fielder, which who, who knows, like maybe even more in jeopardy after what happened yesterday on a couple of plays. Like if Chaz is your everyday center fielder, I, sti- I think the Jolks can be a platoon option against lefties, but I'm still looking for a left-handed guy who can play left field and just dominates right-handed pitching. And then you have a platoon of uh, whoever that lefty is with Corey Jolks in left field. I think that is suitable. I'm not ready to call Corey Jolks an everyday starter for a team that has World Series aspirations. Yeah,
2: look, I think it's, it's more encouraging. It's not a better plan, to, a better situation to have than other teams. I think it's just an encouraging situation that you're seeing signs of things that give you hope, not only for this season, but for the future and the fact that you've got a young talent now, another young talent that's been developed under the radar that could be someone that can contribute. And you don't know what, to, what level, but he's surprising you so far. But when you start talking about Chaz versus uh, Jake and, and then you start getting jokes in the mix and you start realizing, hey, it's one thing to get through the 162. And I think you got guys fully capable of doing that. But I think when you start talking about playoffs, it's a different animal, it's a different mentality, and it takes a different type player. That's where I'd be questioning if I'm Dana Brown, just for this season alone, do I have enough on my roster right now? that can get me where I, I expect to go.
1: Uh, plus options, right? Like if you, if Corey Jolks isn't starting for a game, like yesterday they had Martin Maldonado pinch hit for by a blind address. Like you have a lefty on the mound in that spot. And you have Corey Jolks on your bench. Like that's the perfect spot for yes. Corey Jolks. Yes. So like adding depth is important. I'm ready to call Jolks a platoon option every day and left, but not quite. A full time everyday left fielder, and the projected numbers don't love jokes either. Like the exit velocity stuff, which Dusty sneezes at. Right, the right. all the all the nerdy stats don't love jokes because they think he's hitting into some good good luck. Hey, but some guys, he's a gamer. They do that, but he's a gamer. I, I
2: agree with that. I do think he's a gamer. I think that the good thing is when you start thinking about all the different things, big picture, his speed matters both in the outfield, but more importantly on the bases. Yeah. He can steal bases for you. You know, he, he, he's already proven to you he can play the ball off that wall at Minute made and he can make good plays in the outfield. He's not going to hurt you defensively at all. Where I think that, there's a reason why he should stay on this roster for sure, and he, he deserves right now playing time.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating how like his sprint speed is good. It's not nearly as good as Jake Myers, but Jake Myers is terrible at stealing bases, and Corey Jolks is really good at stealing bases. It's like the George Springer with Jake, where he has great speed, but not a great base runner. I think Corey
2: gets it between the ears on the bases a little better than Jake. But
1: no doubt. Jake, very low S2E. We know that. 713 yes. 780 ESPN, the HRMP listener line. What your takeaways from the Astros game yesterday? 713 780 3, 7, 7, to 6. It is a Friday, so who said it? I think we have a uh, a small version of who said it, right? We have a small version of who said it yeah, coming we're doing up. Uh, Brittany Spears, the Victor mm. conversation, Bush League or not, plenty to get to. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 975. He's at Pac Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. All right. The Chaz slap. What was up with that? Yesterday, the ninth inning, Chaz McCormick slapping at the glove of Ty France. What is going on? It's the killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. One of the favorite things that I like to do, especially on a Friday night, a Friday night's a good night for drinking, is a little bit of gentle bin. I've been telling you for what seems like years that gentle bin is the best and it is. Whether it's the vodka, gin, straight bourbon whiskey, or the cash strength bourbon, it is all top shelf and it all starts with the finest ingredients classic time-honored distilling methods as well gentle bin uses a revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest smoothest spirits that you'll ever taste you get all the flavor with none of the burn unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience the next time you head to dinner or go to your favorite bar ask for gentle bin look for gentle bin at the liquor store on your way home and pick up a bottle today looking for weekend plans How about heading to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room in Alvin? Are you going to an Astros game? Go to the Gentle Ben Bar. My friend Bobby was at the Astros game yesterday and stopped by the General Ben Bar. General Ben, all the flavor, none of the burn.
0: All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios.
1: Dr. Dre saying Chaz in center, Jolks in left. I think that's your best option right now. If Dusty wants to play around and have Jake in center field for his defense every now and then, Chaz in left, like that's fine. Like I'm okay with Jolks and and Jake splitting time. I'm not cool with Chaz really sitting a whole lot. Although I mean, Chaz had two, what's that? I agree. With you. Chaz, but is but is that good enough post deadline? Like that's the question I'm asking you. Like is Jolks in left field good enough for Dana Brown not to trade for a bat? I don't think so, Jeremy. I, I don't really either. Don't.
2: I just think that again. I, I go back to last segment where I just—I'm I, a firm believer. Ed, and we've seen this before in all sports. Guys can be, have put regular seasons together that are great, and then when they get on that big stage with the bright lights for the first time, sometimes it takes more than that. Sometimes guys never get it, but it's a different story. And I just don't know that I have the trust in Corey Jolks yet to say this is my starting left fielder in the playoffs, this is my starting left fielder in American League Championship Series, and believe he's a guy that's going to deliver for me. I'll go go a little, like, I'm willing a
1: little bit more than you are if it's a lefty. Like, if you're trading for a left-handed bat that's just really good against righties and doesn't hit lefties well, okay, cool. I'll play the platoon game with left-handed Slugger and Corey Jolks. Like, I'm cool with that. But Jolks is the primary guy in left. He's been scarlet hot. I can't go that far. I think Dana Brown's told you, you can't go that far either saying that they want to trade for a bat. Although that was before this little hot streak uh, for Corey Joke. 713-780-3776. Chaz McCormick play. First off, that little route he took in the outfield and center field, not yeah. a very good play. Uh, a lot of people argue the Chaz versus Jake defense conversation. Oh. I think both of them are good defenders. I think Jake's better. Uh, Jake has flaws. He doesn't take great routes. Chaz sometimes doesn't get good jumps.
2: I think it's We saw it's that like, yesterday. It's a trade-off, right? Yeah. I think... Most times, Chaz takes a better route to the baseball than Jake does, but I think Jake is capable of covering more ground than Chaz does. Is that fair? I think Jake covers more ground. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah. I think Jake gets better, jumps off the ball. I I don't think his routes are as good. Yeah, Yeah. he's quicker to the ball, but I think Chaz Chaz makes a lot more plays and is a lot more fearless and, and does a lot of things that I think Jake, whether he used to or not, is not the same Jake in the outfield to do those kind of things. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think you and I see eye to eye
1: on the defense of Chaz, although that's not the play that we're going to talk about primarily no. in this conversation. Uh, Chaz McCormick yesterday running to first base, final out of the game, kind of swatted at the glove of France, maybe swatting at the ball that was a one-hopper to France. Versace called it a Bush League play by McCormick, uh, swiping the glove of Ty France. Uh, let's see, what else? Somebody else said, Rare Candy, just saw that Chaz play. What was he thinking? Like I don't know like, what Jazz McCormick wasn't. was thinking. I don't, it was a very low S two E play yes. by Jazz McCormick, as low S two E as you could possibly be.
2: No question about it. And, and the thing is, is even in a situation where it was a one run game, or it was you know dire straits, and you had to get a base runner on, you still don't do that. And through the unwritten laws of baseball, and just how baseballs played, and, and the way players go about their business, he could France could have gotten hurt. Like you just and, and and that's just a it's just a bush league play. And I don't understand it from a guy that's got so much positives going in his direction this season and and since he's been an Astro. And so many things are going his way. The last thing you needed to do in a meaningless part of the game was to do something like that. And it just makes you scratch your temple going, what were you actually thinking? I'm trying to – I
1: agree with what you said. I do think it's a Bush League play. Like, the the only similar play that we have – and I saw a lot of Astros Twitter trying to defend Chaz, which I understand. Like, you're, you're defending your own. Yeah. The only time that I remember a play anything like this at the big league level was Alex Rodriguez. It was at Bronson Arroyo where he's trying to swipe the ball out of his oh, hand. yeah, yeah, yeah. How did we react when Alex Rodriguez did that? I was like, "What is this weirdo doing? Yeah. What is this D doing? Like, yeah. he, what, what, what's going? This is entire. This is very bush league from an Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez got crucified. He got crushed. He got killed for doing that, and rightfully so. It was a silly bush league, goofy thing to do on a baseball field." If that was your reaction with Alex Rodriguez, you have to have the same reaction for Chaz McCormick. You can't change your opinion because of what uniform they were wearing. I think Chaz made a Bush League play. I don't think that he should be suspended. I don't think that he should be benched. I'm not going to go that far and be like, oh, trade this guy, nothing like that. Like It was a stupid play. He should be fined in kangaroo court, and I agree. I think Scott Service is probably going to call the code red and get him plunked. I
2: agree. It's one thing because it's a manager you already know is all about that life in Scott Service. (laughs) And you know that at the time time, the Mariners guys were like, what the hell was that? What was he doing? Yeah. And I think probably <laughs> quietly, I think his own team was wondering what the hell he was doing. And, and there might have been guys that talked to him after the game, including Dusty, because of the fact that everybody was scratching their head going, what the hell are you doing? I've I,
1: We often talk about, you know, high, SQ or high IQ. We call it high S2E. We call it low S2E. I don't think that Jake or Chaz is very high S2E. Jake's usually like aloof during the headlights. Chaz is like Loopy doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, kind of, you know, like like a valley girl, so to speak. Oh my God. I don't know what he was thinking. Like, <laughs> was he goofing around? Was he being silly? Was he just like, does he know Ty France? I have no idea. What that was all about, and it doesn't like it doesn't put Chaz in a great light. Again, does he deserve to be suspended? No, he doesn't deserve to be sat down, doesn't deserve to be benched. Like he'll get dinged in Kangaroo Court, he'll owe a few hundred bucks. I agree with you that Scott Service is probably going to dot him. I think Chaz McCormick might get got at some point in this series, but it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and it doesn't necessarily help Chaz's case. Whenever we talk about him as like a low IQ kind of guy. And I think that's part of the reason that Dusty doesn't love him. I know that Dusty was in the dugout the other day saying, I like Chaz. What are you talking about? And I ain't
2: Chandler. I was going to say he was, I heard somebody talking about like, well, wonder I think on the news, I wonder who he was He was actually referring to. And I go, I know exactly who he was referring to. It was
1: Chandler Rome. If you saw the video, he was staring right at him. Like we I didn't see the video. Yeah, I just the heard video, the audio. I don't know where Chandler Rome was standing in the scrum, but I have a pretty good assumption based on the way Dusty Baker, like Dusty Baker, when he said that, he just made eye contact with a person to Dusty Baker's left, which, I mean, who else it's would it be? Like,
2: it's, who else would it have been? I didn't have to see the video. I knew exactly who exactly. he was talking to.
1: Exactly. And the, the thing that you would add to the video is that he was looking directly in the eyes and into the soul of somebody else whenever he was saying that. But I don't think Dusty loves Chaz. Like I, I agree with Chandler on this. We have seen time and time again with Chaz McCormick that he makes low IQ plays. Like we go back earlier this season, runner at second base, ground ball kind of up the middle, extended league, you get to third base. Like he's not a great base runner per se. Sometimes he has these goofy plays. Like yesterday in the ninth inning, and I th- and we know that Dusty loves little things, right? Dusty's a big guy, a big manager when it comes to like the old school little things go a long way, and those little things that don't even show up. In the box score that I can guarantee you those
2: things drive Dusty Baker crazy I would say the positives are he's a gutty gritty tough type player he's proven to you that both defensively and offensively he's done things for you that make you believe in him but that doesn't necessarily make him the smartest baseball player on your roster or on the planet I mean we know that each guy has their shortcomings. Everybody does. But we know and we've already talked about, like Jake. And some things we can blame on Jake's injuries and then the PTSD that goes coming back from them. Sometimes we can say he looked like a deer in the headlights running the bases or doing this or that. Chess has his non-baseball intelligence moments. But I think that there's so many positives that go with it and so much, such a track, his, track record in history of a guy that's been there and done it for you. That that's why Astros Twitter is going to defend him to the to the you know umpteenth degree, but he's not the he's not the sharpest tool in the baseball shed. No, and look, we're not saying to
1: bench Chaz. Like somebody just texted nope, us nope. and do you expect to see Chaz the rest of the series? I, I hope so. He should. Like this isn't this isn't bench worthy. It's not suspension worthy. It's kangaroo court. A little bit of a fine that you're paying to charity within the locker room within the, within the clubhouse.
2: And, and maybe a Scott service but, dotting yeah, up. Like, yeah, I, the I, I discipline that is coming from the Mariners. It's not whatever he faces kangaroo court wise is all he's going to face from the team, and I think that's all he deserves. And yeah. like I said, a conversation or two after the game last night. But I think that he's going to get dotted up quite abruptly or quickly by the Mariners. Such a weird, weird play, Eric the
1: driver. Dusty already doesn't like Chas for some reason. He should be hypersensitive to anything that may irk Dusty. Not making dumb plays like that. I just don't know where that came from. Like it, it's almost like a, it's almost like something you would do like in a wiffle ball game with your friends. Right, like, you're I was just kind of swatting at the ball. That's, that's what like, I was thinking. Was so like,
2: if we were buddies playing ball, you know, pickup ball or something like that, you might try and do something like, but not even to that level because <laughs> you could get hurt. It's like you know how when um, Altuve was on first base with Cabrera, yeah, and Cabrera used to keep hitting him with the glove or do stuff yeah. like they do that at second base. That's one thing, but in a bang bang play with a hard throw coming and a guy barreling down the <laughs> line to hit his arm. That's just that's at a different level that you shouldn't take it to.
1: No, Joe I didn't realize how clutch Chaz is. Numbers in scoring position have been good. That's why you're not sitting Chaz. He might right. have it, but you're not sitting Chaz. I feel like he just <laughs> like a had weird a play. bad brain moment. It's like I a brain fart. Yeah, I think he had a brain fart. Yeah. yeah. I think he was being a goof. Had stunk. a brain fart. Knew he was out and was just being silly. And then it's like... Oh, what did I do? Did I just go full A-Rod? Never go full A-Rod. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Blankers has been gone a little bit. He had to hit the clearance at Academy, all the Nike goods. So we have a lot to catch up on. He, Blankers hasn't given his opinion on Rockets' free agency. The demise of Christian Javier. The injuries to Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley. How does Blankers fill about all of those hot Houston topics? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.
1: Killer Bs, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, 4181. If you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. That's fair. I think Chaz McCormick is pretty tough. Like, if he's going to be a dummy sometimes, like yesterday in the ninth inning, he backs it up with his toughness. He backs it up with his play. He might be the toughest guy on the team. I think he's tough. See, that's the difference between, like, A-Rod and what Chaz did. Is like, A-Rod was not tough. Like, A-Rod was always super soft. So if he's going to, like, a little slap at the ball and then be soft, it's one thing. Chaz McCormick, it's a tough dude. Although he should have slapped at that ball.
2: Yeah, I think I think he might be. I think toughest guy on the team. I'm willing to go for that for Chaz McCormick. The way he runs into walls just so fearlessly.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me to think of another one. Maybe Martin. Maybe a Maldonado. You know, played through a sports hernia and a broken bone in his hand. That's a, that's, that's fair. Tough.
2: Fair. That's pretty tough. Yuli. Oh, he doesn't count.
1: Not a, no longer an Astro. How was he tough?
2: Played played through mentally tough. Playing like crap. And then came up big in the playoffs. Mentally and strong. He, can- he did he, he try he, to play the end of the World Series with a torn knee. He nearly got canceled, and he overcame that. That's a good Ooh, point. That's a good point too. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: he did get canceled for a game. <laughs> it's true. He got canceled for one game of the World Series. Who is tougher?
2: I think. I think it's Chaz and Maldy. That's pretty probably it. I mean, I know I know how you feel about Yordy. Yeah, it's not Lance. <laughs> it's not Lance it. either on Jeremy's list. No, no. Lance is soft.
1: Yordan. Uh, I don't know. Jordan's injury prone. We'll just leave it at that. I was surprised. Did you see that in the article of uh, Chandler Rome though? A couple weeks ago, that Jordan said that he had felt the uh, the oblique before, and that it like flared up in batting practice. And he said he was trying to play through it, and then he's like, I can't do this anymore. I did not. I did not see that. Yeah. So he was actually trying. He he had felt something and was trying to play through it, which is a hey. If some if you feel something like Jose Altuve did in batting practice, maybe maybe stop swinging a bat. Maybe maybe like Jose Altuve is going to be out for maybe a week or two. Maybe it was the difference of him not playing through it. Jordan Alvarez is going to be out four to six weeks. Tried to play through it. You feel it? You say something. Like you do whenever you have the smoke in Atlanta. Say something. Say something. All right. A lot to get to with you, Blankers. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet.
2: Fred Van The guy I wanted all along. Fred instead Van Vliet. Of, Instead of James Harden's contract and all the problems that went with it and his age and his deteriorating skills, they got the guy that they wanted all along. Did they get him for an extra year than I would have wanted to pay him? Yes. Do I feel like... Toronto and the rumors coming out that they were interested in re-signing him maybe pushed Rafael's chips to the middle of the table and he had to do what he had to do. Okay, but I still think they got the right guy at this time in the rebuild to do what they're looking to do. So I am 100% good with Fred Van Vliet.
1: I didn't want the third year. I'll push I back. I don't want to, either. But it's a team option that's so, what I found so out later like if it's a team option it's basically that's a two-year deal yeah. so like you could get you could get out of it after that second year if he's still playing at a level that you want him back that third year honestly I prefer like in hindsight I, we were clamoring for a two-year deal in hindsight this is better than a two-year deal you get a two-year deal plus the team option. You can get out of it after a second year, which is the whole purpose of a second year. But now you get to choose that third year whether or not you still want to keep them around. Right. So a two-year plus a team option, I think, is better than a two-year deal.
2: This is the guy that, was, that I had was the unpopular opinion at the time, which is this is the guy that I want. I don't want Harden. I don't want some of these other retreads or guys that they're throwing around that you're trying to take on either damaged goods or guys that are trying to resurrect their Houston lifestyle and, and, and game. When, it, when we've seen that it's not what he's got left in the tank anyway. And so I think Fred Van Vliet is the right guy for Udoka right now in this system to do what's expected of a point guard. And I thought that it was a very good signing. And like you said, when you f- factor in that third year isn't lock, stock, and barrel, you're guaranteed it. And something that you and I had talked about, which was you can always trade him if, you know, Amen uh, Thompson's suddenly ahead of schedule and he's playing his tail off and you're getting the production you need when he comes in the game that if there's a veteran team that's after him that can afford to take him on and get him off your books, you can consider that too. Yeah, so I'm with you on that, like... Third year, whenever
1: I saw the three years, I was like, oh, that's not good. But when it came out later as the team option, okay, I have no problem with that. You see the news that came out today uh, with, I forgot who reported this, my bad on that. But they said that Ime Adoka didn't want James Harden, said it's not going to work here. So, like, this is another good sign that the Rockets are not going to meddle with Ime Adoka. We wanted it so badly all last second half of the season when we kind of saw the writing on the wall that Steven Silas was not going to be back. We wanted a voice in the room. This is another example of a voice in the room, like the, 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 the superior in the room. He is the He's the guy that you're going to look to. He's the, he's, the, um, he's the authority of the Houston Rockets. Ime Adoka didn't want James Harden, so p- add it together. Read the tea leaves here. The Rockets chose Ime Adoka over James Harden, and they're
2: brilliant for it. No, you're absolutely right. And that was the smart move to make. And I don't know if it was cooler heads Prevail or Udoka being able to sit down and have a logical conversation with Tillman and Patrick, who really wanted James back from everybody that you hear from and others that I've spoken to. The fact is, is that, again, when we do the parallels with the Texans, we know that the guy that's going to be here for the long term, that's going to be the voice in the room that's going to carry some weight, is going to be D'Amico. And I think the same thing should be said right now about the Rockets' current situation with Udoka and the fact that his voice is going to carry some weight, and his opinions are going to matter. And it's a good thing if you're a Rockets fan because forget all the other side stuff. When it comes to basketball mm-hmm. and knowing what he needs, both psychologically, locker room-wise, and most importantly, on the floor, his voice is probably the most experienced and powerful in that room.
1: Yeah, and I love, I love the direction the Rockets are going with, with that, that he is Agreed. the guy that is the biggest influencer in that room, the biggest in the room. Dylan Brooks, 80 million, four years.
2: So my first question, Jeremy, would be to you, who were they competing against?
1: I, it's hard to know that. Like, we know that they had meetings with like the Lakers. There was a couple of other teams there. I, we talked about it before free agency opened. I think that he was an attractive commodity for the mid-level exception. I don't know if he was an attractive commodity around the league for more than the mid-level exception, which
2: this was. So the Lakers were already cap-strapped, and they were having to re-sign their own, and they were trying to figure things out creatively. And and then there's that whole LeBron thing, which I think they could have gotten over when LeBron said I needed someone that could play defense. Okay? That might have been able, something they could get over. But I just don't know where the competition was to pay this guy $20 million a year. When you saw that the going rate was much like you said, the mid-level, 12 to 14 a year. Okay, if this is a guy you feel, or again, going back to what we just said, or Udoka feels is a guy I really could use and need. Do you think that? I think he... I would say this. I think he would, any coach would be intrigued and like what he brings to the table defensively. Yeah. I, I think I, the I think sideshow stuff is what he doesn't like.
1: That's what's going to be the biggest, to me, make or break on if Dylan Brooks is a success here. Because I agree that the contract's inflated. I do like that they reverse escalated it. That's smart. Like, if you're going to overspend, at least make it a reverse escalator because it makes it easier to move down the road, and it makes it cheaper down the road, and you have all the money now. Now is when you have all the money. So I thought that that was wise that they did the reverse escalators on the contract. I do think it's an overspend. I think what's going to make or break Dylan Brooks' as a good or bad signing for the Houston Rockets is, is on two things. One, his shot selection. If he's willing to be catch and shoot, I think he's fine on the offensive end. If he's trying to be a playmaker, he's going to hurt you. Secondly, are, are the antics, like the ejections, getting into fights, being the goon, being the tough guy.
2: Waking the sleeping bear, right?
1: I don't. I like that stuff. I if like it. If you can back guy. it up. He does for the most part, didn't against the
2: Lakers. Yeah, he, didn't against he was the a Lakers.
1: second team all the NBA defensive guy. I think that we're underrating how good of a basketball player he is, quite frankly, because of the contract. But if he can't like, know when to stop doing that stuff, and maybe he didn't know when to stop doing that stuff in the Lakers series some of these ejections, some of these fights I don't mind a mother on the floor. In fact, I like it. I want one of those guys on my team. I think he may wanted it. We had Reddit sound the other day saying that he wants a guy like that on his team. But if that carries over to the private, if that carries over to the practices, if he can't be like a positive influence on these young players, because Fred Van Vliet is going to be a positive influence on the youngsters. That's why it makes him attractive as a free agent commodity. If, if Dylan Brooks carries those antics, that goon behavior, over to practices in the private and it's ruining the development of the young players, that's when this contract could be really bad.
2: Yeah, I don't like that they overpaid. I don't know that I, I'm i not as big a fan of any of the antics. You can still be a great defender and an above-average defender and do the things you do without having to try and do the, the Gary Payton III fouls that were possibly career ending and the dumb stuff, you know, poking the bear with LeBron. There's just, there's a track record of extra that I don't think you need. And and, and honestly, Jeremy, I hope there was a conversation had between Udoka and and Dylan Brooks before the contract was signed going, look, we're going to take care of you. And this is going to be a deal that is going to be very, very profitable for you. But in order for this to be profitable for me too, some of this stuff's going to have to stop or you're going to have to make sure that there's a clear understanding that what I say goes as the head coach, And that's how far you're going to go as a player with the Houston Rockets. I hope all that was said. I don't know if it was, but that's the biggest concerning thing to me was I don't think they were competing against anybody at 20 a year. And I think that they overpaid. And especially since later on their antics showed you they were trying to recoup some money. I don't know that you had to spend that much to get Dylan Brooks. Let's talk about the the recouping yeah. of the money and the trading of some of these uh, assets, some of these young
1: assets. And a lot of people were saying this asset management for the Rockets have not been good. And then the Astros stuff, Javier Altuve Brantley. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN
2: 92.5. Hey, right now, I'll tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's South. I was there bright and early this morning. I saw the smiling faces. The The people take care of their customers there because they care. And they were telling me, First, firsthand just about the fact that when you get people in here and you can tell that they just, they're, they're giving up hope, they're deflated because they feel like they can't get enough stuff done in the day, they don't have the energy they once had. Look, from the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom, people are dealing with things that they never had to deal with previously and they don't know if there's an answer or a solution. They feel like maybe they just have to go on with the rest of their lives. You don't. All you got to do is get there. And when you get there and talk to them and be honest with them and tell them what you're dealing with, They're going to find solutions for you. They're going to get the problem taken care of, and they're going to have you feeling good as new. It's absolutely fantastic. All you got to do is go to apollomh.com. Check out all the services they offer. If there's a few that interest you, sign up for a first appointment. When you do and you go in and you speak to them, you're going to find out most major insurance is accepted, and there's discounts for military personnel and first responders. More importantly, when you tell them what's going on, they're going to tell you how they can fix it from the weight room and the, and the fact that you want to get in a workout prep. Let's start with a full body composition analysis. You can chart your progress. Know when your body fat goes down, your muscle mass goes up. Recover quicker with HGH peptide therapy. And then for that energy problem, th- there's all the different ways from B12 shots like I get every week to all the different hormone therapy answers that they have for you that will get you more energy so you can get your to-do list done every day. Tell them I sent you by a free B12 shot or body comp on your first official visit, but more so... Tell them what you're going through and they're gonna get your results because they're good people doing great things. They're the good people at Apollo Mental.
0: The killer bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three J's. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5, it's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays.
1: Blankers with his uh, Rockets free agency uh, takes. 713-780-3776. Willie wants to get in on this. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line for our guy Willie. Willie, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's going on, Willie? Hey, how's it going? I usually don't do basketball, stuff for gamble. But uh, uh, it was a couple of things there uh what Joe was saying that he likes uh giving
2: the one guy forty three million dollars a year that shoot thirty four percent and the other guy that shoot thirty four percent you don't want to give him twenty
1: and the coach he's smart enough not to want James
0: Harden but he ain't smart enough to uh want uh uh
1: the Brooks guy that was that was my question, Willie. Where do you bet? Just curious. Huh? where do you where do you play place your basketball bets? Oh,
0: uh,
1: my bookie. Okay, like online or like a guy you know? Oh, uh,
2: somebody
1: I know. All right, cool. Slide into my DMs, Willie. He uh,
2: he he was thinking he was going to be in trouble there based on that, <laughs> boss. Uh, Willie, here's the thing. Uh, you can't rope everybody together with the same abilities, skill set, and belief. And I believe that a proven NBA champion that has done the things that Fred VanVleet is capable of doing, has done, has done to the Rockets and other teams, and I believe is in the prime of his career to still continue to do, is one thing. If you're talking about a Dylan Brooks and you're talking about a guy that would like and in his mind believes that he is at a certain level, but I don't believe that there were teams that really rated him as highly as he thought of himself, and based on what we've seen and what we know and what the Rockets are trying to do and how important all that money is and apparently was to them, I don't think that you should have committed that much financially to Dylan Brooks. And I'd love it if he proved me wrong, and I do believe that any coach wants anybody that can be a wing defender because wings are so important to defend in this league. But do I believe that he was worth $20 million a year? I don't think so at this point.
1: I think that's kind of how you sum up the um, the off season. Would you, by the way, would you... Um... Would you fade or would you tell Willie's bets? What do you mean? Would you follow what Willie's betting or yeah, would no. you stay away with no, Willie's I'm betting? I'm
2: going to trust my own gut instinct and take the take my losses. I'm not going. With what Willie.
1: if you and Willie were on the same side though? I still will take you more. Are you more likely to fade or tell Willie? I think I'm more likely to tell Willie. I like Willie. Willie's got great take. I don't.
2: This isn't personal. I like Willie. I'm thanks for thanks for listening. But I'm going. If it, when it comes to my money involved in any kind of wagering, I'm gonna. Trust either myself well, or really knows reliable my name source. Now. Yeah, he does know your name. So, thanks, Willie. Are you going to
1: all... fade him or are you going to tell him? I'll,
2: I'll tell you, Willie. I'm going to tell Willie, too. you call me you stump your stump or slump? Joe. Oh.
1: I called him Trump yesterday, by the way. Oh wow, that's <laughs> my bad. Um, I think you can sum up the off with basically how you just summed up Dylan Brooks. Like, I don't mind the players coming in. Like, I like Van Vleet. I like Brooks. I like Jock Landell. I don't hate that they got rid of Christopher. I don't hate that they got rid of Garuba. I don't hate that they got rid of Ty Ty Washington because I don't think those guys are very good. I don't where I think Rafael Stone. Like the players in, players out, I'm okay with, and I like that they're getting out of the way of Odoka a lot. I don't love like the margins though. Like cutting the margins. Like in a salary cap like Guru would would have a fit no with what with what Rafael Stone has done with this offseason. Like did he slightly overplay on Brooks? Yeah, that's it's obvious like he did. Could he've got him at like 17 million dollars a year, but because they wanted him so bad, okay, we'll give you 20. Um then the whole deal that you have with Atlanta, that's going to turn into this monster deal, this monster trade uh, with a ton of sign and trades with picks exchanging hands. The Rockets gave away Chris Christopher Garuba and Tai Tai, and basically KJ added Martin. two draft. Yeah, well, KJ wanted I'm saying to separate in separate
2: deals, but you gave away. Well, the reason
1: I wanted to separate them is because you gave away those three players and you attached draft capital with them. Yep. KJ, at least you got draft capital back. Maybe not enough draft capital. But they gave away Christopher first rounder, Garuba first rounder, Ty Ty first rounder, and they had draft they attached draft picks, two second rounders, to get out of those contracts because they thought they thought Lopez was coming, and because they wanted to hold their word with Atlanta, they're still willing to go through with it. I don't mind that Christopher Garuba and Ty Ty are gone. I don't love that they gave two second round draft picks to get them off of this roster and off of the payroll. This is
2: this is where it goes even deeper than that, Jeremy, because the point that I I brought to the table since all these moves were made was. What did you get to show for it? Like, it either shows that your talent evaluation was completely off because you drafted these guys in the first round or you gave away a talent that turned out to be a first-round-worthy caliber player in, in, that you drafted in the second round in K.J. Martin. But you didn't evaluate the talent good enough because these the, the picks really didn't turn out for you. And, and I'm right. I agree. I'm right there with you. I agree with you. Hey, you got rid of them, okay? If they're yeah. not going to be good, get rid of them. But what did you get in return? No, you gave away picks. You, you gave away first-round picks, three of them. For second round picks, which you then kind of already gave away again because you were still trying to finagle and move under other deals where you were trying to trade Patty Mills and you were trying to do this and that. Mm -hmm. And essentially, when you're rebuilding three first round picks, even if all, like one or two of them don't pan out, or we talk about where they were picked, that, you know, if they're a skilled position at one, just like shooting, great. But at least you get something out of it and you swing and you miss. But if you swung and missed on all three and then swung and missed on the trade to get rid of them, Now everybody's looking at you and saying, on top of that, you took K.J. Martin, who proved to be a starter for you, that gave you valuable minutes, that shows like he can be a real good NBA rotational player, and you basically gave him away too, and to show for it, you got a whole bunch of cap space you didn't use, because you somehow thought Brooke Lopez was coming here, and didn't have a plan B, and you're left holding it while the bag is gone, and the players are gone, and I'm going, what? You just do the asset
1: management's not good here. I don't. I didn't like the assets, aside for KJ Martin, talent wise. That's, that's I get why. It. That's why I'm not heartbreak heartbroken about this trade. But I totally understand somebody who like lives in the margins that is upset with this trade and the handling of the assets that you do have. I also think that picks in the 20s are really hard to be good uh, in the NBA. The question that I have for you is: Do you think that the Rockets should have went back on their word? Like if Lopez went back on their word on his word with the Rockets and was the whole purpose of moving this money around? Should the Rockets have at that point? taken this trade off the table with Atlanta and it's like, hey, look, we don't need to do this trade anymore. Uh, Lopez he went back on his word. We can't do this because now we're giving away three young players who I don't think are very good, but we're also attaching draft picks too. Like, Do you think they should have went back on their word with Atlanta?
2: Well, I think that if Daryl Morey was the general manager of the Houston Rockets, he already would have gone back on it. No and he no would have gone, gone back on it with, with no time at all and no worry about feelings hurt.
1: And he probably would have just sent a text message saying this. And is exactly right. Going there would have been
2: it. zero feeling and there would have been zero context other than then deals off brook backed out yeah and, and and he he will live to fight another day but because you didn't get anything back like rockets fans could have digested this a little easier and better if brook lopez is a houston rocket today because now oh it makes sense i give away three guys that whether you believe they can play or not that were first round picks of mine in the last couple of years but because the but but to show for it I got one of the best defensive centers in the league that can shoot threes, that can do things to teach my young center as well. That's going to make me a better basketball team when we're in phase two trying to win. It makes sense if you
1: would have... I would have backed out. I'm sorry. Like, uh, this this is a cutthroat business. Like, in order... Now Rafael Stone could have might maybe screwed this up. I like if, if you're making this trade with Atlanta, you should have been like, "Hey, look, this is contingent on us landing no Lopez." That's what I was going to say. So like, you you don't even have to be the jerk in the room because Lopez now is the one that took the word like took his word back, and you just call up Atlanta, and be like, "Hey, he changed his mind. Sorry," but that should have been something that was done before. I am hoping for for Rafael Stone's sake that there is still something that we don't know that's going to like fall into this cap savings that the Rockets created by trading these four young
2: players. Well, look, and, and to your point when you have relationships around the league as much as guys try to keep their cards close to the vest there's going to be conversations had just like when we talk about drafting right when it, hey it, i'm looking to draft this i'm looking to draft a certain player i wouldn't even tell you who it was but if i'm looking to draft this player and he's available when you're picking then i'm willing to give you this this and this you don't have to tell him who the player is and maybe it isn't even the player when the 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 trade's about to go down but you go hey man you know what the player that we want is not there so we're going to back – totally get it. So if you say to Atlanta, look, we, we're targeting somebody right now. We're going to make this deal with you assuming that we need this money to get this player. If, you, if you've if you had that level of com, communication, I can call them and, and with a clear conscience go, you know what, man? We didn't get the player we wanted. He signed elsewhere, so we can't make this deal, but yeah. we, we can still talk. And just leave it at that. But I know for a fact that he's already burnt bridges with about half the, the guys in this league – that are general managers because of the way he carries himself and does business. Yeah. That's not a good thing if you're the Rockets. I, I'm, I'm more
1: upset about the handling of the assets than I am about the actual assets because I, I don't think much of Christopher. I don't think much of Garuba.
2: I don't think much of Ty Ty-Tye. Ty. Ty Ty's the only guy that I held out. Yeah. That he wasn't a point guard, but he could play guard in the NBA and give you minutes.
1: Yeah, I think he's too small to be an off guard, and I don't think he's athletic enough or a good enough shooter. But so what I, what the reason why I said it like that, on
2: he could be a rotational player where coming off the bench – you don't necessarily have to be as clearly defined a point guard or a shooting guard. Yeah. Just go in and get me buckets, or go in and make sure that you take care of the basketball.
1: KJ was weird too, because like he's this is a, this is the last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play at all. So like if you're going to try to get something back for KJ Martin, as opposed to just letting him leave in free agency in a year, because he's not going to get minutes at the wing now with what you have with Brooks and Tate, and if Cam Whitmore is getting minutes, so. Like Jabari. He, Jabar, yeah, well, Jabari's a four. Right, but he played some four. He did. He played some small ball four. Like, Tari Eason was a name that I forgot, yep. too. So, like, it's hard to envision a lot of minutes here for K.J. Martin. So, I understand trading K.J. And, like, Obi Toppin went for two second-round picks, too. Like, I don't think that they got screwed over on K.J. Uh, but, you know,
2: you basically... to see a guy that contributed yeah. and was capable of doing a lot of things that you didn't think he was capable of doing when you weren't given the minutes previously. Mm-hmm. And then, all of a sudden, just like that, he's just, hey... Thanks for the memories and bye.
1: Yeah. So, basically, you look at those four young players that are gone. Christopher, KJ, Garuba, Ty-Ty. You traded two seconds. You get two seconds back. So, basically, you wash your hands of Christopher, KJ, Garuba, and Ty-Ty, and you you washed when it comes to the trades. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We have two Rockets versus Texans question. Who is more likely to finish above 500? The Rockets. Or the Texans? And we'll tell you the other question on the other side. Skiller B's on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.